0: BDC, the Bank for Canadian Entrepreneurs, is a proud partner of the Startup Women podcast. BDC is here for women entrepreneurs in their efforts to move forward and achieve their business goals. To meet their specific needs, BDC provides financing, strategic advice, and has a wide selection of free resources. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women. BDC is here for what's ahead.
1: Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Startup Women podcast. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. In the month of March, in celebration of International Women's Day, Startup Canada, Startup Communities, leading women entrepreneurs, government, and industry partners will come together to celebrate the contributions and achievements of women entrepreneurs to Canada's startup ecosystem. From the beginning, the Thrive Podcast has always been about creating and curating educational content and actionable advice from leading experts, entrepreneurs, and support organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and all kinds of other support for women founders. Women entrepreneurs across Canada challenge the status quo every day, helping to build a more gender-balanced world and to release the full potential of women founders. But despite their tireless efforts, systemic barriers continue to exist, often making it incredibly difficult to start a business, let alone scale and grow. That's why we are pivoting away from the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs to the Startup Women Podcast, because we are here to assist and champion all women entrepreneurs, not just those who are thriving. This podcast is a production of Startup Canada, Canada's entrepreneurship organization, and is presented in partnership with the Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. I'm your host, Kayla Isabel, CEO at Startup Canada. Welcome to the show. We are thrilled to have Asia Horsley on our show today. With a background in environmental science and urban agricultural development, Asia has led research projects and startups in this space with her passion for sustainable food production. She's currently the CEO of Drizzle Honey, a honey products company sold across North America that focuses on changing how the world uses honey. Asia is enthusiastic about bringing innovation to market and bolstering female entrepreneurship. She was also recently recognized as a change maker as a part of the in a Skill and Change maker Initiative in partnership with Startup Canada. Welcome to the show, Asia. Hi,
0: Kayla. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Uh, so before we dive in, you know what's really the one most important thing you want our audience to take away from what I'm sure is going to be a fabulous conversation?
0: I'm going to talk probably a lot about our recent certifications and probably a little bit how we've navigated COVID. Uh, and just general tools to help uh, small businesses get through their first, you know, three to five years, those real grindy years. Mm,
1: and particularly grindy during a global pandemic. <laughs> so I'm sure that'll be yes. incredibly helpful. So yes, yes. walk us on your journey, you know, working in the agriculture sector, becoming an entrepreneur. Um, why did you launch Drizzle Honey and, and walk us through what it's like being an entrepreneur in your space?
0: So my background's in environmental science and I I formerly did agriculture research uh, at a college here in Calgary called SAIT um, and I was doing urban agriculture research so how you integrate agriculture into urban environments so think about rooftop greenhouses um, we were doing the beekeeping project on one of the rooftops at the college uh, living walls and and growing food on on living walls within buildings Um, And when I was working on the the beekeeping project, I noticed a big gap in the market with uh, how honey was produced. So sustainability wise, I felt that there was a lot that could be done, but also in terms of packaging and speaking to millennials about such a beautiful uh local product uh, and there was a whole bunch of um issues happening in the honey industry at the time you know with the bees declining and there was all this fake honey on the market i just felt somebody could really do a good job of um, having a beautiful honey product out there that would make people buy it and and really go back to supporting our our agriculture entrepreneurs here in canada so i i just went for it i started with drizzle with the having the logo Uh, designed by one of my best friends and it just kind of catapulted its way through having retailers approach us uh, and now to today where we're sold in over 800 stores across Canada and we're sold on e-commerce across North America uh, and it really goes back to uh, the core principles of wanting to bring uh, a great agriculture product uh, and put a new spin on it so that people would actually want to buy it.
1: Mm, amazing. And and we're big fans of Drizzle Honey here at Startup Canada in our, our daily uh, consumer I habits um, and, awesome. and personally as well. So Dri- Drizzle Honey also received its B Corp certification. You mentioned that briefly earlier, and I would love to drill into that a little bit. So that was in 2019. What is mm-hmm. a B Corporation for those of our listeners who might not be familiar? Um, and why has this been really important? for you to secure?
0: A benefit corporation is what B stands for. It does not stand for a buzzing bee.
1: <laughs> Everyone gets very
0: confused because I'm in the B industry. Oh, that's so right. any anyone can become a B corporation. So it's benefit corporation. It is the highest certifiable standards uh, for social and environmental performance in the entire world. So there's only about it's under 5,000 businesses uh, around the world that have been able to go through these really rigorous standards to essentially balance profit of the business with purpose. So we want to be good for people, but we also want to be good for the planet. So it's this whole balance of uh, sustainability with it. So uh, we're acting in a way that benefits society uh, and it's it's for the good of environment. And and social good, mm. essentially. So it, yeah, if that makes sense, it's really this people, planet, profit—the three P's of sustainability. If if anybody's heard about that, mm. um, and I think for us, we we really wanted to just put ourselves above the people or the businesses that talk the talk but don't really walk the walk. I guess if that if that makes sense. I mean, there's a lot of greenwashing. I think there's a lot of businesses that say. They are sustainable, but they don't even know what that means. and Or they're just maybe recycling a certain amount of uh, product or something like that. But it's so much more than that. It needs to dive into every aspect of your business. And that's how I felt, that that it really needed to be super rigorous standards that we needed to go through uh, to be accountable. Mm -hmm. So it's being accountable to our customers uh, and being accountable to... Canadians and being accountable to the business world. And this was just a way for us to do that. Mm -hmm. And we're really proud that we went through it and and came out with the certification.
1: Yeah, I think that accountability piece is so important because anybody can throw the word sustainability, you know, on their business, and that can be interpreted many different ways. Um, but because B Corp certification is so rigorous, um, you know, it is difficult to secure, and you really need to to make sure that um, you're you're uh, you know checking the right boxes within that certification process. So mm-hmm. for for entrepreneurs that are listening here, how do they start that process? Where do you even begin when you're starting to look at B Corp certification? Are there any tactics, strategies, things? That worked well for you, or or things that you wish you maybe did differently when you first started the business that could have served that B Corp certification later.
0: A good place to start is right when you start your business, mm-hmm. so right from the get go, because you're going to have to go back and change a whole bunch, likely if you don't, if it's not part of your core value of your company. Because, like for us, like I'm an environmental scientist, I knew a lot about it. I I feel like I was given. Uh, a bit of a leg up on it just simply because I I knew and that was my core values personally that then went translated into my business. But if people can start right from the beginning is have that mindset that that's something that you wanna do, then getting the certification really shouldn't be that hard because you've already done all the leg work. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of ways to get help with the B Corp certification. One I would say for sure is universities uh, both masters and undergraduate programs will have classes often that help uh, businesses become more sustainable as Mm. like a capstone project Uh, so I worked with a professor who I I think he was a sustainable management environmental management course instructor and he had gone through B Corps with a number of businesses and he actually was able to sit down And help me walk through some of the questions and just make sure we had everything in place. Uh, I know there's consultants that will Mm -hmm. also help with that work. It is obviously more expensive, but I mean, time is money as well. So Mm -hmm. uh, pick your battles on on what you want to spend your time on because it's very, very time consuming. Like it took two years Mm -hmm. of me not course, I'm not just sitting there in front of my computer for two years, but <laughs> <laughs> of just slowly picking away. There's a, a book on B Corps that I first I read it. Um, it's sort of a step by step B Corp tool book mm-hmm. that uh, explains how to do the process. So I read that. And then, you know, I started pulling documents together and started creating documents. Because you need everything from an employee handbook Um, all the way to all of your financial and packaging and where everything what ingredients are organic all of that has to be in, in different spreadsheets and everything so it was a slow process but it took me a full two years by the time I got the certification from the beginning of when I thought about getting the certification. So, But it shouldn't, it really shouldn't take that long. If you sat down with a consultant Mm -hmm. uh, and they helped you with it, I bet you it could get turned around in a month or so. Mm -hmm. But that's with somebody who has expertise on how to get it. So, um, yeah, ask for help. Yeah, Uh, yeah, The thing is that there's people around, yeah.
1: agreed. and finding advisors. You know, clearly, you know, many organizations have gone through this process. Learn from those that have already, you know, gone down that path. So finding an advisor, finding mentors in the space, et cetera, is a great option. Um, And and start as you mean to go on. I think that's a key learning here, that if this is something that you do want to uh, have as as core to your business, uh, have that intention set from the very beginning, because it'll save you Mm -hmm. time, money, et cetera, later on. Yes. Yeah. Fantastic. So switching gears a little bit and looking, you know, as a manufactured food producer, sustainability in terms of e-commerce, wholesale distribution, et cetera, that's also a totally sort of different beast. How have you navigated, uh, you know, sustainability uh, during COVID-19, particularly leveraging your e-commerce sites, et cetera? Uh, Walk us through that.
0: So, with the e-commerce and our our whole distribution operation, it really comes back to how the product is produced. Mm. So, if it's produced sustainably to begin with, then the way that it gets out uh, to your customers, you know, it already has sustainability built into it, if that makes sense. So, for example, with Drizzle, like anything from where the packaging comes from, The labels the boxes the jars the caps um is it recyclable where is it coming from is it within your own province like you get extra points on the b corp certification um if you're working even within your own city Mm. to have things printed because we all know it's way more expensive to work here in canada than it is in china but it's uh it's more sustainable so you get extra points for that um also where our honey comes from is from local beekeepers. Uh, we have a sustainability checklist. Uh, I'll go on like a little aside right here sure. where our honey comes from and the sustainability checklist. It has to come from remote locations away from pesticides. We want the bees to have a diverse floral source because that gives them uh, more resilience when it comes to, um, Ever, if they do get hit with pesticides or uh, all the pests uh, and disease that they're faced mm-hmm. with these days, uh, we also donate to pollinator research um, and ensure that the honey is not adulterated or blended in with fake honey. So mm-hmm. there's all these little pieces. There's even the side, it's such a rigorous process. There's so many steps to this. So the side of like fair wages, Um, community involvement, uh, our leadership in in our business model and diversity. So what I'm trying to get at is it's how it's manufactured, makes you sustainable. And then when it um, goes out through e-commerce or through the distribution model, um, that's what's delivered to the end customer. So with COVID, uh, our e-commerce, of course, has jumped. It was you know less than five percent of our business pre-covid we we really really focused on distribution into stores Mm -hmm. um and now we're sitting at it being around a quarter of our our business so it's been it's a huge jump for us Uh, and and we i guess just kind of looked at what what does the product and how is it getting out look like uh, now that we have to send it out to customers and just making sure, making those tweaks with their packaging, making sure it's recyclable, um, printed on recycled paper, Mm -hmm. uh, doing things through e-commerce and electronically as much as we can. Mm -hmm. uh, And that just saves saves the footprint as well. Mm. So it's been a lot of changes to our business model, Mm -hmm. uh, but I think we've adjusted pretty well.
1: Amazing. Uh, So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about, you know, investors and and knowing that Drizzle is women run, which is fabulous, Um, and that has resulted in your women owned certification. Why was this certification important to you? um, And what does it really bring to Drizzle? Why was this something that was really important to you in building the business?
0: Yeah, so we our investor is Arlene Dickinson from uh, Dragon's Den. Uh, some
1: of you and may know are... Arlene. <laughs> she might be a name <laughs> that you're familiar with. <laughs>
0: yeah, for sure. Uh, and then uh, the team is female as well. It, not on purpose. Honestly, it's not on purpose. Mm. We do like to bolster female entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. uh, but we just for some reason have f- only females applying for our uh, mm. positions. So I always find that kind of humorous. It is interesting um but the reason why we wanted the certification was really it's something we can put on our packaging and we can really speak to again it's that sort of accountability it gives you trust with your consumer I think any form of a certification instantly translates to consumers taking you seeing you as more professional and uh yeah i guess accountable in some way it builds trust with mm-hmm. the consumer right because they know you've obviously gone through some sort of a process with it mm-hmm. um and with the female-owned one specifically it's a it's 80 percent or more of sh- household shopping is typically done by females especially mm-hmm. in the cpg and, and grocery sector so we really wanted to speak to them with our packaging and product knowledge so i think Speaking to most of the females, I know they would say that they would want to support a female in business and how will they know that unless we're able to put this logo on and describe it as in some way into our business. So, yeah, it's really about uh, just being able to communicate that with the end customer.
1: Mm. And you're a new mom as well, right?
0: I am a new mom. So how yeah. have you
1: been running the business as, you know, taking on this new role <laughs> that is the most important role that uh, that you'll ever play? Walk us through that as well.
0: Oh, it's a lot of work.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to say yeah. that
0: it's been easy. It has absolutely been worth it. Uh, it's it's a lot of nap time hustles. Mm. If uh, I
1: love any... that. <laughs> Nap time <laughs> yeah. hustle.
0: <laughs> yeah, like as soon as baby would go to sleep, I'd be jumping on my computer. So I didn't really take a former maternity leave yeah. uh, as, I, as I kept working through uh, the entire year that I was kind of supposed to be off, I would just work on naps and I'd work in the evenings. Um, so it was hard. I think I don't even know what to say about it because I don't want to lie and say that it's, oh, it's it's really easy for anybody yeah. to do because I think that that's what probably Instagram portrays. Everyone thinks it's a, a really easy thing to do, but it's not. But it's definitely worth it because now I still have this company Um, that has potential to grow. I've kept my um, kind of skin in the game with building my career. And I have a lot of flexibility with uh, when I can work and when I can't. And so I think most women having to go back after a one-year maternity leave have to go straight back into full-time work, um, dropping their kids, a daycare for a, a full day, and they might just have to see them an hour or two in the evening. But my schedule is a bit more flexible than that. And and I think that's something to be really grateful for.
1: Mm, yeah, I think we hear that very often on Thrive that, um, you know, being a woman entrepreneur does allow for this flexibility, especially for for women that are taking on so many more responsibilities within the household. Um, and that while it is incredibly challenging, um, you know, if we can really support women entrepreneurs through those journeys, building these businesses that can give them that flexibility, that could be a huge Huge, you know, changing moment for for how we support women um, and mm-hmm. and their you know contributions with the entrepreneurship community. So it, it's something that often comes up on the on Thrive. So I think you're you're definitely not alone in in managing, uh, you know, competing priorities and and making it work, which is incredible mm-hmm. to see. New mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, there's one other thing I do want to say about mm-hmm. the certification, the women owned certification. Mm-hmm. There's a bigger piece to it, and that when you um, get these certifications, there is a networking group and you kind of jump into, uh, I guess a group of female business owners, but then also larger businesses, like let's say Kellogg's, mm-hmm. Staples, uh, most of the major banks uh, are sponsors of these groups. And mm-hmm. those companies usually are mandated to have a certain percent of their supply chain uh, diversified. Mm-hmm. So diversified with buying from females and and they have to do this because it's part of their core values and it's written into their mandate for like 2021 Mm. that maybe five percent has to be from a a diverse supply chain so we get to go and sit at meetings with them and participate in networking events with some of these major major companies that otherwise we wouldn't have access to
1: Mm.
0: so that is uh, a really big piece of it which you know I spoke a lot about why we wanted to have it for our end consumer, but there's also a really big reason why we want it internally, because we get access to uh, this amazing networking group.
1: Yeah, lots of potential power and procurement. Absolutely. I think we have a long way to go to make sure that that, that 5% is bumped up even higher with many of our corporate you know partners. But um, but that's a great, great point. Uh, thanks for bringing that up, Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in terms of, uh, you know, looking at disruption, you know, we've recognized, um, you know, Drizzle Honey as an incredible disruptive change maker as a part of our, our partnership with Inniskillen and ongoing change maker initiative. Um, what does being a disruptor mean to you? What does what did that feel like? Maybe at the beginning of your journey, and and what does it mean now?
0: Yeah, it was really great to be recognized for that award, mm-hmm. uh, and I love the word disruptor. Mm-hmm. I think it's a real buzzword right now. Not to make a honey pun, but or bee pun, <laughs> I but will take
1: but the it, bee puns. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it really is a buzzword right now. Um, so I I personally think a disruptor is someone that kind of takes something that's old school and makes it different but also makes it better so innovation is a really big piece of our business uh, right down from how the product is made and why the product's different like we have a, a line of superfood honeys that is first to market uh, but it's also of course as i've talked about how our business is run so yeah, I, I think we're, uh, Drizzle is a new generation of honey and I really feel like what a disruptor means is someone that's making uh, big changes in a business. Mm-hmm.
1: Sing it. We we welcome as much disruption as possible. I think now is an incredible time. You know we're seeing so much disruption come out of um, you know everything that's happened with COVID. But I think this attitude is inherently entrepreneurial. You know pushing boundaries, thinking about new ways of doing business. Um, you know new products to be creating. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really incredible to see traditionally more old school industries with uh, you know new faces, new approaches, and seeing that come to life in, in the business community. So we we always <laughs> welcome more disruptors in the community <laughs> awesome and so finally you know as we wrap up Asia what um, would be an a, another kind of key piece of advice that you'd like to share with our audience of women entrepreneurs something that they might be able to implement in their business immediately a key piece of uh, you know advice from your journey or, or a piece of advice that you've received over your career that you think that might be helpful
0: well we've talked a lot about certifications and being a women-owned business and why we join these networking groups and I, I'm going to say something a little controversial, and, uh, maybe, <laughs> is that I do think as women run business, we need to uh, join male run networking groups as well. And like we talked a lot about going in and doing these women owned business networking things, but um the reality is, is that males still dominate business. They um, dominate which contracts are decided on. They're running the large corporations. So, uh, don't be afraid to join groups outside of women-run business groups, yeah. uh, and don't be afraid to sit at the table and lean in and uh, make your business known to. Uh, as many networking groups as you can with as many diverse uh, types of people in them, mm,
1: fantastic piece of advice, Asia. Yeah, I think that's it's controversial in in a way, but I think we need to think holistically about it. You know, we can't just sit at the tables with other like-minded, um you know, women. We also need to make sure we have diversity of perspective. And if that's coming from the male perspective, female, et cetera, um you know, there's a conversation to be had in all of those spaces.
0: Yeah, that's exactly it.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Asia, for joining us on the Thrive Podcast. Congratulations again on uh, being nominated and winning one of our Disruptive Changemaker Awards. And uh, best of luck on, uh, on your buzzing entrepreneurial journey. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to end with a pun. <laughs> <laughs> thank
0: you for that. And thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Women podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs to start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, VDC, and Scotiabank for helping us to power women entrepreneurs. Do you know a woman founder who's demonstrated excellence through their leadership and vision? Nominate them for a 2021 Canny Women Entrepreneurship Award. Applications close March 15th. Visit ief-fie.ca to learn more and visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook, resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. Until next time, I'm Kayla Isabel. It's time to choose to challenge the status quo and unleash the economic potential of women.